God's given me to share with you today. And surprisingly enough, it's to do with Palm Sunday. Because, I don't know if you realise that, but it's exactly seven days before the resurrection of Jesus. So next Sunday we're going to have a bit of a celebration for the resurrection of Jesus, because it's Easter Sunday. Uh, And I want to talk about seven days before that, and it's in all four Gospels, almost identical accounts of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So I want to call it Welcoming Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. And so today, what I want to do is retell this story, and I want to do all four Gospels in one. Okay, so I'm going to retell the stories and try and get as much from all the four Gospels as I can. And then I'm going to read the passage to you from John's Gospel. And then I'm going to just draw out three reasonably short points from it. So first of all, I want to tell you a story. Do you like stories? Okay, well, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. (laughs) If you're not sitting comfortably, feel free to lie or something. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your wonderful presence here with us today. And we want to welcome you into this meeting, Lord Jesus. So Lord, will you just walk right through here today as we're worshipping you, as we're listening to this message. Just walk through, have your way with us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, the story opens on the night before the journey. And Jesus is eating with his friends at the house of Mary and Martha. He liked to eat there. They were good friends of his, and he liked to be there. And Lazarus was there. Now, Lazarus was a bit of a celebrity at that point because, you know, he'd just been raised from the dead. And I can't help but think, I wonder what on earth the conversation was like around that table. I mean, there's Lazarus. He's just been risen from the dead, dead three days. Lazarus, what on earth was it like? What did you see? What did you experience? Lazarus, what it was like when you heard that voice and coming through time and across life and death, calling you out, what on earth was it like? You can just imagine the conversation. And then the conversation was just going so well that evening. There's so much to talk about. And then Mary comes in. And Mary comes to Jesus. And there's Jesus lying down eating and talking, and she comes in holding a pint of very expensive perfume. She kneels down and she begins to pour the perfume all over Jesus' feet, rubbing the perfume into his skin and wiping his feet with her hair. Nobody knows quite what to do. I mean, what do you do when somebody does that? But the fragrance of her sacrifice, that costly oil that she poured out, filled the whole house. The extravagance of her worship hung around the nostrils of the people there. It kind of covered over the smell of dinner. There was just this wonderful smell of perfume. And its lingering presence just hung in the air like perfume does. And it stayed with Jesus for days afterwards, the the smell of that perfume, no doubt. Judas, of course, objected. He said, this is a wasteful extravagance. He says, the money that you've just wasted pouring out on Jesus' feet could have been given to the poor. And Jesus knew Mary's heart and he he accepted her love. 
And he said, leave her alone. She's anointed me for my burial. Next morning, two of Jesus' disciples were sent out to find a very specific mode of transport in the next town. They find it in a certain place, Jesus said, tied up next to an adult donkey. There's a a young colt. It's never been ridden before. I want you to bring that colt to me, he said. And so they brought this little donkey to him and somehow sensing the incredible significance of what was about to happen, the disciples made a kind of saddle or a throne out of their coats, laying them across the donkey's back for Jesus to sit on. And you might think, well, why a donkey? And a little donkey at that. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the pictures of films, perhaps, of portraying Jesus coming in on this tiny little donkey. He's having to put his feet out like that <laughs> because the donkey's so small. Why? Why this new, new donkey? Why not a horse? Why not a war horse? Why not a chariot of some kind? But you see, the symbolism wouldn't have escaped them. In the Eastern tradition, a donkey is an animal of peace, whereas a horse is an animal of war. And you see, a king coming into a city, riding on a horse, was there for war. But Jesus rode on a donkey. And a king who rode on a donkey wanted everybody to know that he was coming in peace. And Jesus' entry to Jerusalem was as the Prince of Peace, not as a war-waging king. And so Jesus rode out on a donkey. And the crowd who'd heard all the rumours about Jesus just went wild. Some threw their cloaks on the ground like a royal carpet. Others spontaneously ripped down palm trees and leaves and threw them down and made a path for the donkey to walk on. You see, this wasn't just a royal visit, it was a victory parade. That's what the palm branches stood for, victory. So just like a Roman parade, after a great battle had been won, they mimicked this kind of victory ahead of the battle. Such was their expectation and hope of what Jesus was going to do. Now the crowd welcomed Jesus. They welcomed him as a conquering king, as one who'd come to save them, to boot out their royal, uh, their Roman oppressors and to free them from occupation. Had he not already demonstrated this? He'd healed the sick, he'd cast out demons and he'd been preaching about this new kingdom that he was going to bring in. The Messiah had come, the one who was going to reign in peace and righteousness. And then the people began to shout. They began chanting the words of Psalm 118, which spoke about this coming Messiah. They said, Hosanna, save us, that means. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The disciples were completely in on this too. There's no doubt what was in their minds as they witnessed these events. All the gospel writers confirm it, that at this point they saw the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy that was written hundreds of years before. 
Here it is, it's this. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea to the ends of the earth. And can you imagine the excitement that they must have been feeling? Their long-awaited Messiah had come, and everybody seemed to get it. They all rejoiced, just like it said in the prophecy. They all shouted, just like it said in the prophecy. Together with all the people, they, they flung their arms to the air. Palm trees were raised, just like it said in the prophecy. How their hearts must have swelled. How heady must have been their joy. Here it is. It's finally happening. But what was happening exactly? I mean, how is he going to do it? What's his strategy going to be? How will he announce his messiahship? You can just imagine the disciples turning one to the other and saying, look, look how they cheer and they welcome him. Look how they're behind him now. Surely there's going to be a people's revolution. Surely he's going to make the most of it now. This is his time. This is his opportunity. What he's going to do is whip up the crowd, get some wonderful words, do a great speech, rouse them into action, storm the Roman offices. Have you got your sword? Get ready, it's going to happen. Or perhaps they thought he was going to take over the palace. He was the son of David. He was the heir, the rightful heir to the throne. I mean, the poignancy of the moment. Would he call down fire from heaven? Are we going to lose our lives in this? Peter says, well, I'm up for that. (laughs) The tension And the uncertainty. I mean, the atmosphere must have been amazing. The conviction of what was happening. The uncertainty, but the certainty that something extremely significant that they didn't quite grasp or understand was about to happen. And then, at some point, the pitch of the crowd changed. Was it the tone of their cheers? Something in their praises. There was a sudden lift You know that moment in worship when there's just a lift. Something happens. Something changed imperceptibly at at first, but then it was there. No longer was it just the praises of men, but it entered that of worship. Perhaps even the angels joined in. I don't know. Like on that Christmas hillside. But the lift was there. And in that moment, something supernatural happened. It seems that they entered a whole new level of praise that was no longer fitting for man, but only for God. Luke tells us the point at which it happened. He says it was just about where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives. He says that a whole crowd of disciples there began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they'd seen. What miracles? Well, John tells us that it was the same crowd that had been with Jesus when when he called Lazarus 
out of the grave. And he said, and it says that they told everybody about it. No matter how many times Jesus said, please don't tell everybody about it, they couldn't stop. They just went everywhere telling everybody about it. They couldn't help it. Three days he'd been dead. Three days in the grave. What a miracle. Nobody's ever done this before. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. We've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody about this. He's the Messiah. He must be. He must be God. And the Pharisees don't like it. They don't like it one bit. They begin to feel incredibly uneasy with the way that things are going. They already hated Jesus because he was more popular than them, but this was something different. This was a whole new scale of something. They sense it. It's all getting out of hand. The people are getting too carried away. It's funny how often religious people get it and then don't know what they get, and then struggle when simpler people start to get just a bit too excited about Jesus. Be cautious, they say, calm down a bit, don't get so carried away. We're okay with you being religious as long as you don't get too carried away. We don't want any of that passion or enthusiasm. (laughs) Teacher, the Pharisees said, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. They're getting carried away, and Jesus says, I can't. He says, I can't. I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He says, "He says, if all the people stop shouting, then all the pebbles along this road are going to grow mouths and start crying out. Is that what you want? He says, if the people stop praising the King of glory, the stars are going to come out, the sun, the sea, the whole of creation would all join together and cry out because the Lord of creation is passing by. And somehow they know, just like these people know, something amazing is about to happen. Don't you get it? And at this, the Pharisees look at each other and inadvertently prophesy, saying, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. But nobody really understood what was going on. The crowd in Jerusalem on that day had no idea what they were being caught up in. No idea what they were doing or who was passing. They completely misunderstood the nature of Jesus' kingdom or the victory that those palms they waved heralded. And within days their praises would change from Hosanna to cries of Crucify him! Even his disciples didn't understand what was going on. You see, they were looking for a completely different kind of saviour. Within days, they would desert and deny him, and their disillusionment complete as they witnessed their Messiah helpless, tortured, crucified, and die. Even the devil himself was confused by it all. 
Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, had he known the victory that would be won through the death of Jesus, it says, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Even the devil didn't get it. In the final scene of this journey, Luke tells us that upon the site of Jerusalem, Jesus begins to cry. He cries over that great city and speaks these words. He says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. See, only Jesus knew the true purpose of his arrival in Jerusalem. Only he knew the cost of the salvation they cried out for. Only he knew the truth of the victory that they celebrated, a victory that would be won through the vulnerability and humility of a king that would lay down his life for the sins of the whole world. Let me just read the passage to you. And then I want to bring some short points out from it. It's John chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 19. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come from the fe- for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. 
Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone over to him. I just love that passage. Isn't that fantastic? I just want to bring out three reasonably short points from this amazing story. First one is this, that nobody knew who Jesus was, but we do. Okay, nobody knew who Jesus was, but we do. Hosanna, they cried, Hosanna, come and save us. We welcome you, King of Peace, and we celebrate your victory. That's what the whole thing was about. That's how it all summed up. But they didn't have a clue who he was. They had no choice, actually, in doing this. As Jesus says, if they didn't cry out, the stones would have. And in this, we can see a preview of that great and terrible day when the the Bible tells us that every knee will have to bow and every tongue will have to confess that he is Lord. They just have to. They have to. I don't think they did it consciously. I don't think they looked at the Bible and said, look, this is how we do it. This is the formula for how you greet Jesus. They had no idea. They had to. And you know, if there's ever a need to cry out Hosanna, it is today, isn't it? You know, we need to be crying out Hosanna. It means come and save. The word has not lost its meaning or its impact. We need to cry out Hosanna for the world. We need to cry out Hosanna for our neighbours, for our families, for our friends who don't know Jesus. Lord, come and save them. We don't want them to get to that place where they have to bow and they have to acknowledge that he's Lord. We want them to do it now. We want them to know it now. We want them to have that relationship with Jesus. But they didn't know him. They didn't know who he was. But we do. But we do. When we praise him, when we worship him, we do it out of relationship with him. We worship him not like the crowds who had no choice, but we worship him like Mary did. I love the contrast of Mary and then the crowds. Mary comes up close, she breaks open that perfume and such extravagance and wastefulness, such fragrance. That's a picture of our worship. It's a picture of a believer's worship. It's a picture of each one of us. We pour out our hearts when we worship with thanks and love at the recognition of what he's done for us. We welcome our King of Peace because he has brought peace into our lives, hasn't he? Jesus has brought peace into our lives. We have peace with God now. You know, we have peace with God. He's not angry with us. We're not angry with him. We have peace. We have relationship with him. The barriers have been taken away now. We can be intimate with him. We can know friendship with him. We can know him saying things to us like, I love you. Wasn't that wonderful? Jesus just coming to us today and saying, I love you. Wash his feet with your perfume. Do you know what that is? Pour out your heart. That extravagance. Express your love to him, your emotion to him. We are in friendship with God. More than that, we are part of his family. 
We have peace with God. We have peace with others because of what Jesus has done. We can, because we've been forgiven so much, we can forgive others. We must forgive others because we've been forgiven so much. But we do that, we can do that because of the peace that we have with God. We've been forgiven so much so that we can forgive others. We are free to forgive others and to know peace from the torment and the hurt of broken relationships. I don't know if you've ever had anybody hurt you or anybody upset you or everybody, anybody or anybody, (laughs) everybody offend you. Anybody? (laughs) Oh yeah, come on. But we can forgive. We've been forgiven so much. We have peace with God. We have peace with others. We have peace with ourselves because of what Jesus has done. With ourselves. We, we can find that through the cross, we, all our sin and our guilt is taken away. It's taken away. I don't need to be guilty anymore. I don't need to feel bad anymore. I don't need to be weighed down with sin anymore because of the cross. Because of what Jesus has done, we can live free from the heaviness of our past. And we can live in the joy of the present and in the expectation of the future because of what Jesus has done. In his presence is fullness of joy. Wonderful. At peace with God, at peace with others, at peace with ourselves. See, nobody knew who Jesus was, this king of peace, riding on a donkey. But we do. Praise God. Secondly, nobody knew what was going on, but we do. Nobody knew what was going on, but we do. I mean, it's a sad fact, isn't it, that those who cried, Hosanna, save me, days later were hurling insults at him, mocking him, and instead of Hosanna, save me, they were shouting, crucify him. And some people will say, well, you shouldn't use that word Hosanna because that's what they ended up doing. It's nonsense. We're in relationship with him, we're right with him. We can shout Hosanna and ask him to save others. But they had no idea of the victory that they were unwittingly celebrating as they waved those palms of victory. They had no idea. But we can live in the good of it because we are beneficiaries of this victory. Paul said it. He said that he disarmed the powers and the authorities he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We live in the good of his victory. And so when we shout Hosanna, when we praise him together as church, we lift up our metaphorical palms and we wave them in the air for all to see and we cast ourselves before him, acknowledging his kingship and his lordship. And by that, we make a royal carpet through our lives and say, walk here, God. Walk here, Lord Jesus. Come here and have your way. Walk here, Lord. I mean, can you see that? Can you see the king of glory? Can you see him on his donkey walking through here today? He still walks amongst us, you know, by the Holy Spirit. And if you follow him, you can be assured of victory. 
Paul says this, he says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. There's that word fragrance again. As we worship him, our worship spreads through the house. The fragrance spreads through the house. And do you know what? It seeps out of the house and it goes out into the street. It goes out into our lives. It goes out into our neighbourhoods when the church of Jesus Christ follows Jesus and lives out the gospel. So are you following him today? As he walks through here, as he walks by the Lord of creation, are you with him? Do you know who you are following? And thirdly, the Pharisees had no idea what they were prophesying, did they, when they said, the whole world has gone after him now. They had no idea. But we do, don't we? The whole world has gone after him. This miracle-working power of Jesus to heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead is still working today is still alive and working today through his modern-day disciples called the church. Jesus is still around today through us. The disciples, I love this, the disciples couldn't keep quiet about the miracles that they'd seen. It must be the same for us, you know. It must be the same for us. You know, we've all got testimonies that have to be told. We've all got stories of what Jesus has done in our lives. You know, we have to tell people about them. We have to testify. We have to boast about the goodness and the power of God in our lives. But, oh God, will you give us stories that we can't keep quiet about? Will you give us demonstrations of your power and may the awe of God and the wonder of your name be an integral part of this church. You know, some of the greatest evangelistic opportunities I've had is when I've seen the most amazing healing and I've gone to work the next day and I can't stop but tell my work colleagues, you wouldn't believe what we saw happen at church yesterday. Oh God, give us those stories. Do you know what I believe? If we will be willing to testify to what God has done, he will give us more stories and prime the pump and they'll come believe that. See, Jesus' plan for the church was never small. You do know that, don't you? Jesus didn't just die for you. It's wonderful that he did die for you, but he didn't just die for you. He died for the sins of the whole world so that everyone would hear and everyone would come to the knowledge of his truth. That's his heart. That's his longing. That's why he laid down his life, not just for you. You're great, but he wants more like you. The sins of the whole world, that's why he died. You know, the Pharisees were right. You heard it here. This event that we call Palm Sunday was merely a foretaste, or as John Piper says, he says it's a dress rehearsal of that which would be seen for real at the end of time. And it's recorded, this scene is recorded in the book of the Revelation. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is what's going to happen at the end of time. 
Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb and they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb because you see the whole world has gone after him People from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation are following Jesus. Myriads. Jesus had a big plan for the laying down of his life. And this is the Father's heart. It's his desire, and it's our mission. Tell the world about Jesus. Demonstrate his resurrection power, and give everything to see his kingdom stretch from shore to shore. Amen? Praise God. Father God, we need a revival. We need an outpouring of your spirit like nothing we've seen before. We long for it, Lord. We long for it. I'd like us to sing a song, um, which we've been trying to get to actually for several weeks, haven't we, Tom? Because we really feel that there's uh, an anointing on this song for us at the moment. And uh, we're going to sing this song, I See the King of Glory, and shout Hosanna. And uh, we're going to sing that song. And then at the end, you might feel, it might happen, it might feel that you actually want to shout out Hosanna for some of the people in your life at the moment that don't know Jesus. Or it might feel like you, you would like to pray and ask God for some of these stories. So we're going to give a moment as the band comes to the close of that song for people to to do that. Okay, is that all right? Are you excited or is it just me? <laughs> I feel excited today. Jesus is good. He's wonderful. He's great. Just tell somebody next to you so I can see you moving or doing something. <laughs> just wonder if you're still alive out there. <laughs> Should we stand up? I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to anoint us with fire. And as we sing this song, that the fire of God will come on us. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray your fire would go through the church right now. I pray, Lord, let your fire fall. I pray, stir us up, Lord. Help us to see the reality of what we're going to sing right now. We want to see it, Lord. We want revival to come. We want to see many people saved. We want to see multitudes coming into your kingdom. We want to be worshipping around the throne on that last day with lots of our families, Lord, that aren't with us yet. Lots of our friends who don't know you yet. We long for that, Lord. We say, Lord, come save. Save you, miracle-working God. Ride your donkey through here, Lord. We're, we're after you. Lord, we are following after you. You said that you were pursuing us. <laughs> we're pursuing you too, Lord Jesus. We're passionate for your name and want you to be famous here, Lord. Praise your holy name. Amen. <laughs>